Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Don, thank you for the songs. I think you did get us stirred up. That's good. Absolutely. All right, for the brothers, uh, the little announcement there about the Round Lake Men's Retreat. I'm going to encourage you again this year. It's 27 hours out of your year. We'll give, give back to you a hundred times over. So if you need to take a vacation day that Friday or a personal day, I encourage you to do that. To set that aside and go up and be with us, Lord willing. And just uh, have a good time, a good meal, and feast on the Word of God. And be, uh, be filled with the Spirit. So I just really want you to pray about that. And wives, encourage your husbands, please. All right. Talk about in the name of the Lord. We recognize names. We use names all the time. And I got some thoughts down here, but, you know, we, we've mentioned before, you know, whether you like the, uh, the Ford, the Chevy, or the Dodge. And if you say Ford, that comes as something comes to your mind. You might like Fords, and you might not. not. You might have bad, bad uh, problems with Ford at one time. Bad experience. Maybe you love Chevys. Maybe you like Toyotas. Okay. Or we talk about restaurants. All right. Where do you like to eat? Where do you not like to eat? I could mention dozens of names of restaurants up here, and they would elicit some thoughts or images, even smells and tastes in your mind, you know. McDonald's, Big Mac. Some people say, I don't want to eat there. It's garbage. But some people say, yeah, I love that. That's good. Brother Larry's not here this morning. Brother Larry loves McDonald's. We could talk about Cheddar's, Bob Evans. Burger King, uh, Steak and Shake, I don't know, where you go, Longhorn, all right, uh, Olive Garden, you know, if you go there, that's something you probably like, and it, you know, you, the name means something to you, you have a feel for it, a taste for it, and so forth, we, we use that all the time, the products you buy off the shelf. You might look for product names, you know, the good name, the Del Monte, uh, Betty Crocker, uh, you know, these kind of names. And some of us, you know, we don't, you know, you might buy that sometime. You might just get the Kroger brand or the Great Value brand or whatever, whatever. But names mean something, have to do with something of the quality or the person or whatever it is that you're talking about. Names in Scripture do the same thing. They stand for a person. We mention uh, Jezebel. Whoa, you know, Jezebel, nasty woman, all right? Evil woman, Baal worshiper, let Israel help lead Israel astray. We don't have anything to do with her. We mention Mary. We think, wow, what a blessed woman she was, and a good woman, and so forth. And so, you know, you get that feeling and thoughts come to mind. In Philippians 2, of course, we're talking about in the name of the Lord. 
this morning. And his name ought to really give us chills every time we say it or think it. And we're told not to take the name of the Lord in vain, aren't we? And for good reason. It's the name that is above every name. What's Paul right here? He says, for this reason also, and he's just gone through talking about how Jesus left heaven, gave up his privileges, became a human being, went to the cross, died for us, you know, obeyed his Father perfectly. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. And that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a name. Jesus the Christ. Yeshua in the Hebrew. Yeshua Mashiach, the Messiah, the name above every name. And someday, as you see there, every tongue will confess because he is Lord. He is Lord. We don't want to throw the name of Jesus around carelessly. Not at all. This name of Christ Jesus has power and carries weight. Matthew 28, 18. I don't have it on your sheet. Most of you know it. You can turn there if you want. What does Jesus say? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And all that authority is bound up in the name of Jesus because it's bound up in the person of Jesus. Just like we were talking about names at the beginning. The name is the person. And so when we use the name of Jesus, we are in fact honoring him and referencing his authority. That he is the Christ. He is Lord of all. The name of Jesus has power. Let's go to John. We're going to look at just a couple verses and then we're going to see about how we use that name and how we invoke the authority. And some of this, of course, is, is not new to you. But again, we need to revisit some things from time to time to be reminded. John 20, 30 and 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. In his name. There is life in the name of Jesus because there is life in Jesus. 
God granted him that he can have life in himself. Remember that passage from John? I believe it's chapter 5. We have life in the name of Jesus and in no other name. But Jesus say in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we have life in his name. He came for this purpose. He says in John 10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. And he emptied himself and became flesh and sacrificed himself, carried our sins in his body, came back from the dead so that we might have life. He conquered death so that we might have life, and now their life exists in his name because it exists in the person of Jesus. This is why we have to believe in Jesus and in the name of Jesus, and one reason why we confess the name of Jesus. And we should not be ashamed to mention the name of Jesus when it comes up in conversation. Some Christians have a difficult time saying the name Jesus. Did you know that? What about you? When there's a conversation that's appropriate, when you're talking about your faith with someone, can you say his name? You need to do that. There's life in the name of of Jesus. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. This is where uh, we read a passage from chapter 4 this morning in Revelation, or I'm sorry, in our study in Revelation in Bible class. This is when uh, Peter and John, uh, well, were at the temple and Peter raised up the uh, lame beggar. He said, in the name of Christ Jesus, stand up and walk. Remember that story? But the rulers and the elders of the Jews were upset about this. And I want to start in verse 5 in Acts 4. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. You know, all the big wigs of the Jews. When they had placed them, meaning Peter and John, in the center, they began to inquire by what power, or listen to this, or in what name... Have you done this? You see, we use that all the time, in the name of something. We do things in the name of something, right? And they wanted to know, in what name are you doing these things? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you, and all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. The power exists in the name of Christ because the power exists in Christ. You can't separate the name from the person. And that's what Peter had done. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so he's telling them, it's by the power of Jesus, that this happened. Eleven. 
He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which became the chief cornerstone. The Jews were the ones who were to be building the uh, kingdom, but they failed. They rejected the chief cornerstone, and so God builds another kingdom called the church, or the assembly of the saints. Remember Jesus talking about that he would build his church and the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. Verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Healing is done in the name of Christ and salvation is in the name of Christ and in no other name. No other name. You recall demons were cast out in the name of Christ. And there's that story in Acts where uh, Paul had been casting out demons in the name of Christ. And I believe it was the seven sons of Sceva who were called itinerant Jewish exorcists and going around. And they said, hey, that, look at the power in that name. We're going to use that name to cast out demons. And they tried to use the name of Jesus. And they, they, the demons came out and ran all over them. Because they said, you know, we know Paul and we know Jesus, but we don't know you. That's because they were not followers of Jesus. They were just trying to use his name. And that doesn't work. Remember in uh, Sermon on the Mount? Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord. And what they say? We cast out demons in your name and did this in your name and did that. Wait a minute. You can use my name, but if I don't know you and you're not my disciple, it doesn't work. It's no good. So the name of Jesus carries the power because Jesus has the power. Jesus has the power to save. He's the one that resisted Satan, defeated Satan, overcame the world, overcame sin, overcame death, overcame Hades, came back from the dead, no other name. No other name. I don't care what name it is. Moses, Satan, Allah, Buddha. No other name. We need to stand behind that name. We talk with our religious friends. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus the Christ. That's where the power is. Okay. So salvation and life and healing, and the, the power is in the name of Jesus. So how do we respond to that? Let's go to John 1. Um, and believe me, if you go to your concordance, we could, we could have found a lot more scriptures here that would have kept us here you know, beyond the lunchtime. But we cut it short. But uh, anyway, the name of Christ is so important. John 1.12 But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, 
not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is where it begins. And we hear that gospel proclaimed, that Jesus is the Son of God. He became flesh through Mary. Began his ministry. Performed the miracles, cast out the demons, healed the sick, went to the cross, came back from the dead. This Jesus, do you believe in his name, means you believe in him. It means you believe that he is all those things and more. That he did those things, he was that person, he was resurrected from the dead. He is Christ and Savior, Redeemer, the High Priest, our sanctification and redemption as we saw in a lesson not too long ago. Judge of all, King of kings, Lord of lords, do you believe in the name of Jesus? That's where it all begins. If you don't, then you don't need to take another step. Does you no good. All these things are summed up in Christ Jesus and in his name. What a blessed name it is. That moves us to Acts chapter 10 here in our lesson. This is where Peter was at the house of Cornelius. and uh, He was reluctant to go there because these were Gentiles and the Jews were not associating with Gentiles. They hadn't really learned yet, even in the church, that in the two in the church, Jesus came on the cross to make of two, meaning Jew and Gentile, into one body, the church, so there would no longer be Jew and Gentile. That those uh, concepts would just fade into the past. We would just all be disciples or Christians or believers. As Paul, or I'm sorry, as Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon these folks to show that God had accepted them it was kind of a little bit out of, the, out of the norm, but it was to show, again, another sign to Peter that God was saying, these people are accepted. I want them now in the body, those who believe. And so verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. They, they must have been flabbergasted. <laughs> you know? Wow, the Gentiles, what's God doing? Surely, or for, then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we did, can he? So Peter's convinced, you know, that God convinced Peter through the sending of the Holy Spirit. He says, whoa, wait a minute. God's accepted these folks. They believe we've got to baptize them. We can't prevent them, can we? Of course, the answer is no. And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to stay on for a few days. You know, if they had not baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ, it wouldn't have done any good. If he had not baptized him, if he had baptized him in the name of somebody else, it wouldn't have done any good. 
the immersion needs to be in the name of Jesus Christ. Because we read in Romans 6, we are baptized into his death and raised out of the water in a resurrection like his, anticipating someday we will be raised from the dead just like he was. The power is in his name. We are to be baptized in his name. Again, the beautiful mirroring of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know, it's, again, it's not just a church ritual. It's just not words that are said. They have meaning. There's power in the name of Christ, and that's why we're baptized in his name. John 14. We do it all the time. We pray in his name. I think sometimes we just tack it on the end because, you know, well, it says in Scripture to do that. There's a reason we do. Because there's power in that name. John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. We pray in the name of Jesus because of, first of all, what he says here. If you pray in my name, I'll do it. Did you ever think about that? I mean, there's a lot of prayers offered these days, and again, even... Uh, it seems like among some Christians that we're afraid to mention the name of Jesus and then when we pray, especially in public, we just say amen. We do not pray in the name of Jesus Christ. That prayer doesn't work, folks. It doesn't work. We're to pray in his name because he says, you pray in my name and I will do it. He is our mediator, isn't he? He mediated a better covenant. He is our intercessor, as we read in Romans chapter 8. He is our high priest, our go-between with God. He is our advocate, 1 John chapter 2. If we sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And we pray through him, in his name, so we might continue to be forgiven. Because in his name is the power, right? He is the intercessor. He is the Savior. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We, we invoke the name of Christ because he carries weight with his Father. Because he's entrusted all, all authority has been given to him. He's going to be the judge. We're studying on Wednesday night of all. So the name of Jesus, again, is not to be taken lightly. When we use these things in baptism and prayer and all, let's remember and understand what that's all about. It's power in the name because Jesus has the power. Acts 5. Once again, we have uh, 
you know, Peter and the apostles there before the uh, Sanhedrin, before the council, because they're continuing to preach in the name of Jesus. And this is upsetting them. Acts 5, 28, saying, or 27, when they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. That's, of course, Jesus. Again, this clearly points out the idea of authority, doesn't it? You're teaching in his name. That's his doctrine. You're teaching about him and uh, all that he has done and for his glory. And they said, we told you not to do that. And Peter goes on to say, we must obey God rather than men. We can't just listen to you because our Lord said we've got to go proclaim this gospel in his name. Everywhere. We proclaim it in his name because it's about him and for his glory. We need to be careful what we proclaim. If it's not in his book, we can't proclaim it in his name, can we? If we go beyond the scriptures, we can't proclaim it in his name because it's not there. I might say that's my opinion, which is okay. That's what I think about it. But if we try to say it's in the name of Jesus, we better be careful that it's in the book. As we said and have seen and heard in many places, be careful not to add to nor take away from what's in the Holy Writ. I like the picture uh, about teaching in his name where we have the sword coming out of the mouth of Christ there in Revelation 1. The word of God really depicts teaching in his name. The power of of that word, to convict of sin, to praise, to give the road to salvation, the way to salvation, to show what is right and wrong, what is acceptable to God, what is not, and so forth and so on. The power is in the name of Christ, and we should teach in his name. Whether we're teaching the little ones or whether we're teaching in the assembly, whether we're teaching our children at home. We're talking about things scriptural we need to teach in his name. Colossians 3. Don led us in the song. Whatever you do. Pretty much taken right from scripture. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, what this doesn't mean that all that we do is, has to be church stuff, okay? That's not what that means. Certainly when we do church-related ministry and all, we need to do it in his name, but this means that we need to remember who we are and whose we are no matter what we're doing. Whether we're, uh, you know, at the mall, on vacation, in the kitchen, you know, fixing dinner, out mowing the grass on the internet, reading a book. If what I'm doing I can't do in the name of Christ, I shouldn't be doing it. Remembering that I'm a Christian and I'm wearing his name. 
So do all in his name. Do it for his glory. Do it for his honor. His name is the name above every name. In our last couple of thoughts, Acts 11, 26, we wear his name, don't we? The Lord is so gracious to let us wear his name. The name that carries power and honor and glory. We ought to just step back and, and think about that, you know? As we go about from day to day. Acts eleven twenty six, and we had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch, meaning of Christ or belonging to Christ. If you are a Christian, you wear that name all the time, not just here in this building, all the time. It kind of fits in with the previous passage of Scripture, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord. We're His. We serve Him night and day, wherever we walk, wherever we run, wherever we drive. We serve the Lord. It's a privilege. Don't wear the name of Christ lightly. And then, this beautiful thought from Revelation 3.12. He who overcomes, there's again that theme from Revelation. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will not go out from it anymore. I will write on him, now listen to this, the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. Wow. Whatever that will be. For him who overcomes, serves the Lord faithfully, diligently, all the time, seeking the things that are above. You know, we don't serve him. You know, we're not going to be without sin, but we should be diligent and devoted in our service. And what a blessing. You know, we carry the name Christian now, but what will be those new names, the name of my God and the new Jerusalem, and my new name. That will signify truly that we belong to him. When we have been resurrected, given that new, that spiritual body, we will be without sin, we'll be in that place where the glory will be. My new name. The name above every name. Do you wear the name Christian today? How well do you wear it if you do wear it? Maybe you have not been wearing it very well. And you need to make some changes. It is the name. If you want us to pray with you about that, we're happy to help you. If you need to make changes, I encourage you to do that, to wear his name with honor and glory all the time. If you don't wear his name, if you've never been baptized in his name, 
If you don't believe in his name, I encourage you to consider those things. If you want the salvation of which we've talked about, the salvation that's in his name, you have to become one of his, be baptized in his name, or the remission of your sins. We can help you with that this morning. As we've said before, there's opportunity at other times uh, if you want to call myself or one of Mike or Mike to discuss these things. But if the Spirit of God is moving in your heart, we encourage you not to put it off. Please come while we stand and sing.